Off the ball's the best, number one. It's the GOAT of sports apps. Talk about the greatest of all time. Big Joe's the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. We know it. <laughs> I, I'm going to say I'm the Djokovic of this scenario. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Download the OTB sports app now. Uh, Penny for Stephen Kenny's thoughts as he watched the game last night. Matt Doherty, reborn, roving right back, assist machine, midfield maestro. Hmm. Seamus Coleman, difficult evening, even Jamie Carragher. And he took, to be fair, he took no joy in saying it, but at halftime he was saying for the first goal, player ran in behind Coleman and he just said, look, this is happening far too often to Coleman now and really the fault lies with Everton. Why haven't they recruited better? And to be fair, they have brought in a right back who Pat Nevin assures us will be closing in on Coleman's position very, very soon. The guy from Rangers, is this? Yeah, Yeah, Patterson. Yeah. He'd be a very good player. So it was a difficult night for Coleman and I'm sure Stephen Kenny noted it. Now, I still don't think, I mean, it wasn't like Coleman looked painfully slow in that moment. I feel like if Coleman was 28, Carragher mightn't have pointed it out in the same way because that happens to a player of that age. And I suspect Stephen Kenny will take his time here because Coleman can do a job in a number of positions across, you know, right back or even centrally. But given the form of Matt Doherty, it was maybe a night where you think that could be a pinpointing change in the guard type scenario. Yeah, I mean it's 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 one of these things where Coleman and Doherty are all. I mean, it always had to be Doherty and Coleman in the same game yeah. at the same time. You know, it's it's even though they played in the same side quite a lot for Ireland in the autumn, so it's actually not really a Coleman or Doherty scenario anymore. Maybe, um, I suppose, maybe you're looking at the concept. Presuming Ireland stick with the same system. Um, maybe the chances of I think it was always probably a danger as Coleman got older the chances of him playing the wing back role would be less likely anyway Yeah. Uh, and the, the, then you remember in the games in November there was a big speculation over whether he'd start and then Amoba Bamadeli got injured so he ended up playing on the right of the back three for the game against Portugal but maybe the feeling was was he maybe going to play one of those two games and he played both of them but I don't know. Is it a change in the guard in the Irish context? I'm, I, 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 I'm not so sure. Um, I would tend to agree with you. You know, like I, I, I think um, the point was made that um, what was the line? It looks like a championship back four. Um, well, I mean, a lot of the Ireland squad is players from the championship in League One. So, <laughs> you know, maybe Seamus Coleman as a uh, one of the best right backs in the Premier League. I think it's fair to say. That that time has moved on, yeah. Um, but in terms of his uh, suitability for inclusion for Ireland, like there can always be a real sort of recency bias and overreaction to a lot of things, like you know, and that's that's the nature of sports debate and so on. Um, who's to say Coleman won't regroup as Everton try and regroup? They might just need to try and tighten things up for these home games they have coming up, and then all of a sudden you see him put in the captain's display and things can change, but. He is what I think he's he's thirty four this year. Um, it, it does happen, but I think there's a there's a danger in sort of rushing to conclude that is the case very very quickly on the basis of what was a nightmare of a night. But maybe you know, maybe if and he's made mistakes, and you can't just get away from the fact. That I'm sure he'd probably admit admit that himself that he's made mistakes. Um, but also, like if you if maybe Everton's first choice centre halves were there, would there be a better defensive unit? Would it be as you could, you could take that argument without, without wanting to seem like classic? Oh, here's you know Irish show defending Irish player. That's not that's not where it's coming from. Um, but I think uh, I think linking it to his international position could be a slight stretch. Mm. 
So, uh, Richie, if he's looking for inspiration when it comes to longevity, look no further mm-hmm. than Johnny Sexton. That's where you're starting this evening. Yeah, he's confirmed today that his new deal with the IRFU will be his last. The Ireland captain has put pen to paper on a contract that takes him through the end of next year's World Cup, by which time he'll be 38. Sexton, though, says he's glad to no longer have to face questions about his future and revealed talks about a new deal progressed quite quickly. No, like the the process only, like there was initial talks like, you know, a few months ago about whether I had the desire to to keep going and I said at the moment I do but again it was never going to be um, done till, till this stage of the season because you just don't know um, and again if you picked up an injury or you think you know puts you know the majority of next season in doubt so you, you've got to you got to wait I, I suppose at this age it's, it's, it's a lot different if you're if you're mid-twenties or whatever but um, look it was uh, it was fine it was like I said, we, we sat down last week and um, we sorted it out in a, in a couple of conversations. Um, you know, there's the balance, isn't it, between making sure you looked after, but also acknowledging that you're 36 and that you've, you, you know, you, there's there's risk that goes with that. But at the same time, you know, all you can do is go on on what's what's in front of you. I've, I've hoped to to keep proving my worth and. Um, yeah, that's that's all I can say. Really, I'm just delighted to to keep the keep the dream going, as they say. Hell of a way to bow out at a World Cup, on the basis of his recent form. This was a no-brainer. I mean, the Six Nations. He's simply just underlined again why he's the best, and the only issue is his body. So the deal is done, and he will retire after the World Cup. We'll talk to Brian O'Driscoll after eight o'clock about Sexton and, of course, the game at the weekend. Now, there's Champions League tonight, Rich. Obviously. Yeah, Liverpool can take another step towards what would be an historic quadruple tonight. They take a 2-0 lead into the second leg of their Champions League last 16 tie with Inter at Anfield. Liverpool line out with Alisson in goal, a back four of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Joel Matip, Virgil van Dijk and Andy Robertson. In midfield, Fabinho anchors and he's flanked by Thiago Alcantara and Curtis Jones. And up front, the familiar trio of Sadio Mane, Diogo Jota and Mo Salah. One change from Inter from the first leg. Uh, three weeks ago. Samir Handanovic starts in goal. The back three continues. That's Milan Skriniar, Stefan de Vrij and Alessandro Bastoni. Denzel Dumfries and Ivan Perisic provide the width. In midfield, then we have Marcelo Brozovic, Arturo Vidal and Hakan Chalhanoglu. And then up front, Latoro Martinez is partnered by the returning Alexis Sanchez. Edin Dzeko is on the bench. Things are more finely balanced in Bavaria, where Bayern Munich and Salzburg resume level at a goal apiece and both matches kick off at eight. Dan, a 2-0 lead for Liverpool from the first leg back at Anfield this evening. I think there's just a general assumption there's going to be grand. Yeah, and and the first leg had the potential. It could have finished a lot closer. Um, And the whole sort of stronger squad, stronger Premier League squad sort of theories came to fruition in the end. So, yeah, I I don't think... I don't think people are going there tonight. I'm not sure they're anticipating one of these great European evenings mm, in Anfield. No, I wouldn't think so. So we are continuing the news round with Richie. It is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Interesting story, Richie. An appeal launched with Cass. 
Yeah, and there's actually an addendum to this as well, breaking in the last couple of moments. So we'll get to the CAS news, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, confirming today it has received appeals from the Russian Football Union. Their national team was expelled from this month's World Cup playoffs and its club sides are barred from Europe following the invasion of Ukraine. The Russian Union has also asked for a stay on their expulsions with their cases pending, something CAS will decide upon in the coming days. But as I mentioned, uh, some further developing news on that. FIFA has announced in the last couple of minutes uh, they're taking CAS's... uh, uh, proceedings set uh, to one side and saying that Poland will get a bye to the playoff final which will be against either Czech Republic or Sweden uh, regardless of what happens with CAS so they're uh, putting that to one side saying Poland will get a bye and play either the Czechs or Sweden in the playoff final for a place in Qatar. Earlier today it was confirmed that Scotland's playoff semi-final with Ukraine has been postponed in light of the invasion that will also have a knock-on effect of course on the final which will involve either Austria or Wales and the FAI say they're in talks with UEFA about June's scheduled Nations League games with Ukraine. It's also a very strong possibility that both of those will be postponed okay. as well. Very interesting. So that's Russia out of the World Cup, effectively. I'm not sure of the legalities of all that. Mm. Certainly, Jonathan Wilson, when he was on with us, Dan, last week, yeah. he was saying that it was his understanding, having spoken to various experts, that the Russian Football Union, if they appeal to CAS, would have a very reasonable chance of success and certainly would have a very reasonable chance of a suspension of their expulsion pending the case being heard, which would allow them, in effect, to play matches. So it seems like FIFA, this is just at a glance, and I'm not a legal expert, but FIFA, it seems, have almost jumped in here to lay this buy down against Poland, or for Poland to say, well, that's a buy, regardless of whether you're now included pending the case being heard, you've no match to play against Russia, so you're effectively out of the World Cup. That's how I would read that. Yeah, it looks like they're trying to get the horse to bolt effectively. Yeah. You know, so 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 the World Cup has got to a place where yeah. um they they well you, you retrospectively deal with whatever scenario you come it comes to. Um You're back in, but you've no fixtures until next year. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it might be. Now I I did was thinking that conversation with Jonathan Wilson all right and I was reading Tariq Panja in the New York Times who's excellent on sports governance I suppose and those issues and he was saying I mean, all the sort of domino effects of this that it might just shine a light even on CAS because CAS just exists as a as a sort of an independent island but um, it, that's going to come under scrutiny like how it's, how, how it's sort of how things pay themselves out under CAS because I, I sort of would agree with Jonathan's hunch that like in a very strict legal interpretation Russia would have a case Yes you and know? Richie I suspect here uh, FIFA are acting in the full knowledge that if the Russian Football Union were yeah. successful at CAS, that the Poles would refuse to play the game and then subsequently the Swedes would re- refuse to play the game and then all hell would break loose. Yeah, that's that, that's probably the basis for their thinking. I mean, the draw takes place next month for the group stages in Qatar, so they need to have some semblance of organisation as regards who's going there. Um, they're already going to have that gap whereby we don't know if it's going to be Ukraine, Scotland, Austria or Wales taking up one of the positions. That won't be filled now until June, they say. But they need some kind of certainty here because Poland have expressly said that game's not happening with Russia regardless of how Russia line out under a neutral flag uh, with a neutral venue and a neutral anthem, etc, etc. That game isn't going to happen. The Poles have a line in the sand about this. The Swedes and the Czechs the same, which is why Russia have actually included um, those three associations in their appeal to CAS as well. They're looking to take sanctions against them because they know that there is this line drawn that uh, over which Poland and, and Sweden and, and the Czechs won't pass. And 
like I'd agree with I'd agree with I'd agree with all sides here to be honest with you because the right course of action is to just be decisive about it and say mm. Poland get a bye much like uh, Leipzig get a bye in the in the Europa League through to the quarterfinals but similarly Cass have such a reputation on this that they do say they're looking to make a decision on a stay in the next few days for sure but I'd imagine they probably will allow a stay and then we're in a very ugly position that doesn't get sorted out quickly at all unless FIFA's decision now is means that like retrospectively that can't be done okay you're back in but that game's already been decided so FIFA almost say we got in ahead of you that that'd be my read but who yeah knows? Who knows? If, if they if they can take it as far as March 29th if they can take it to the point where the uh, Poland game against the Czechs or the Swedes happens and has a decisive winner and somebody is true to the World Cup finals there's no comeback from Russia for Russia from there yeah like it just the games won't get replayed nothing will happen and FIFA will just say listen what's done is done uh, we'll take a fine, we'll take a wrap in the knuckles, whatever. Um, you know, we'll take their re-inclusion in football under neutral status. But, you know, one of those three has gone to the World Cup and Russia can go and swing. Yeah, I think just that we can just see Russia arguing, well, you're, you're, not, you're not deciding the other place in that other playoff until June. So, yeah. Yeah. And they'll have a good argument. I mean, FIFA are trying to don't play these don't play these playoff games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the case that will be argued. And, you know, it's not they'll have a case. I mean, it's obvious why FIFA are saying it's a buy. Yeah, of course. No, so, no, I mean, I think it's the right course of action, but you can see, obviously, why it would be challenged. Mm, you know? Okay. Well, look, it's one of the least important aspects of this whole thing, mm. obviously. So uh, that's where we are there. Where are we going next, Richie? Uh, to the Royal County Meads footballers. Looks set to be without Captain Shane McEntee for the rest of the season. His club, St. Peter's Dunboyne, confirmed that McEntee is leaving for peacekeeping duty in Mali with the Irish Defence Forces. The halfback was involved in the most recent Meath game that was a draw with Offaly in Division 2 with just three games to play of the league campaign and just two points to their name so far. The Royals remain in real danger of relegation back down to Division 3. Two texts on Coleman. Let's face it, Ireland play at such a low level that Coleman could hardly be able to walk and his leadership and experience would still make him worth this spot. We constantly look look a better team with him in his smartness, intelligence and underrated trade in footballers. Thomas Coughlin makes a point I would agree with on YouTube. The openness of Lampard's system did not help Coleman. A lot of fullbacks would have struggled with so little protection from those in front of him. And I would say also inside him, Thomas, because that ball over the top, if you watch it again, I think it's Michael Keane. I don't know who the centre half next to Coleman was, but he's ahead of Coleman. This is insane stuff. I mean, that your centre yeah, half that your yeah. centre half is not on the cover when there is that much space in behind you, and there's a move going up the left hand side for your centre half not to be three four yards behind you, ready to give you a dig out as opposed to four or five yards ahead of Coleman is actually hard to believe. I could, it was astoundingly poor defence, and so you know unless Seamus Coleman is a twenty one year old with lightning speed, he's going to have a difficult evening. As for Everton on the whole. I mean, Pat Nevin was saying he was watching the game and it occurred to him in the first couple of minutes. God, they need to switch from a 4-1-4-1 here to a 4-2-3-1 because they're way too open in that area of the field. Mm. Lampard got around to that in around the 50-something minute. Yeah. So, like, when you look at the Lampard appointment, that's very shaky right well, now. Well, yeah. I, I, was, I was actually thinking, I'm going to talk about it later on. Like, I was just thinking, um, how would what, what would the reaction be to Jesse Marsh if he presided over that? Uh, it would be what do time. people from America know about soccer it would be yeah. I thought Lampard's interview after some people were praising him for it I just thought it was a bit like oh, it's not really my fault this but that was his whole uh, modus operandi at Chelsea yeah. players got to run more Thomas Tuchel yeah. comes in and makes instant sense and, and of like Chelsea so, yeah, and sometimes there's a bit of I'll just have a go with Lampard for the sake of it and I'm not but I, I did see his interview getting praised last night I was like I don't know. I just found uh, it a bit, a bit watery. I thought honest. he was washing his hands of the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, it was like this is what this is what we've inherited. You know, if people want to make these errors. It's like I don't know. This is why people sometimes. This is why managers sometimes hired to keep teams up 
you know he's not there two games now mm. you know after a particular period of time you have a degree of a uh, shape and you can have I mean they did push Man City close recently you know what I mean so but you get opened up that easily away from home yeah uh, you well, deserve questions and I did and, find his interview Pat, a little Pat bit Nevin, strange Pat Nevin really likes Lampard mm. and even he was saying watching the game he couldn't believe the tactical setup, and then he couldn't believe it wasn't changed and the change only happened 50 odd minutes into the game and that's mm. that's pretty damning stuff I would say and like, well, you're like Lampard an amazing player but I mean he's getting these jobs based on not much else yeah, and I think I think you know it was promising at Derby what he did, you know. And I wouldn't uh, overstate it. No, I wouldn't overstate it. But I know I'm just I'm, I, I I probably do agree with you. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying he's just completely. It's not like his first job either, which could be argued either way. Like we'll you know, put it to you this way: more if, maybe if with a couple of days preparation in a year or eighteen months' time, say they stay up and they should stay up still, in a year eighteen months, if they were away from home and put in a performance like that there'd be real question marks over whether or not he keeps his job. The fact that he's so recently in the job means he will. But, like, that is a shocking performance. Yeah, no, I just thought there was a hint of self-preservation mode about the interview. But maybe, I don't know, there'll be a fuller picture of what he said afterwards in time or in reflection. But there was no sense of uh, introspection from his end of things. No. Uh, Rich, it's a sellout. Uh, yes, indeed it is. Shamrock Rovers confirming today that Friday's Dublin Derby meeting with Bohemians is indeed a sellout. Approximately 7,500 supporters uh, will be packed inside Tallis Stadium for that one. Very good. We'll chat to you about that in the football show. Clock's a little bit against us. Just worth mentioning Andy Murray, Rich. Yeah, he's pledged to donate his prize money for the rest of the year to help children affected by the war in Ukraine. The three-time Grand Slam winner is working with the charity UNICEF UK to provide medical and educational supplies. Even It's also been confirmed that the sports governing bodies will provide over €600,000 in donations themselves. What a man. Yeah, he's, he's the most impressive sportsman. Isn't he? He's generally right on everything, uh, isn't he? He's right up there. Even on yeah. just like, and, and no cloud of suspicion over him, unlike others in his sport. And, and um, yeah, I think and some people think he's a bit dour sometimes. I think he's top class. To yeah, honest. I'm so with you. So with you. I thought he was dour when he first came in the scene. But yeah, I mean, no. Complete he's, 180 he's, on Andy Murray. No, no. He's, he's, he's way up there, yeah.